with these young people. And this was the text that they were in at Pursuit Camp. And I'm actually going to use the same outline that the speaker used because it's, it's definitely straight from the Word of God and the Word of God and the grace of God is sufficient. I'm, I was encouraged, by the way, the music couldn't have been any better this morning in lining up. You're going to see things that were in, in our lesson today that are spot on with the songs we just sang to the Lord. And, and I love that when that happens because you know that's just Holy Spirit putting it together. And so I'm thankful for that. Now I know some of you are getting excited. You're looking up here and you're seeing the end. No, we're not leaving. You know me better than that. You're not getting out of that soon. I have heard, yes, I have heard from many of you. Uh, I know Pastor Stugemeyer was short. And I'm not talking about his stature, though that too. Uh, so again, don't want you, we just heard, don't get too comfortable, right? <laughs> so um, the end, that's the title of uh, today's message. And it comes from 1 Peter chapter 4. One of the things that they focused on this weekend was the end is near. Now, I know we hear that talked about a lot. But guys, this is a reality. From the time this was penned in 1 Peter chapter 4, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ is imminent. And don't think that His promise of His return is somehow delayed. God is not slack in His promises. Don't confuse His long-suffering toward us, His long-suffering that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Don't confuse His grace of long-suffering that He's put up with you and He's put up with me for so long in our foolishness as somehow He's not coming back, He's not going to keep His word. Everything in this book in the Old Testament preceding Christ, all of the prophecies foretelling of His first coming were fulfilled. And the promises of His second coming will also be fulfilled. When we look at the manuscript evidence of the Scriptures we hold in our hands, there is no document on this planet that comes even close. Over 28,000 manuscript fragments discovered all around the world in all kinds of languages that, that date back uh, closer to the, to the original copies than anything we have whether it's Homer's Iliad, whether it's uh, the Gallic Wars, the, the, the different writings that many study in school and in universities, and no one ever disputes those. No one ever disputes, even though we might only have ten copies, ten manuscript evidence supporting that it was actually written about Caesar's actions. We have over 28,000 that support this. Why is this not taught in every school system around the world as the most historical, historical document in existence? Oh, I know why. Because it proclaims a Creator God who loved mankind and took on the form of a man and stepped into this world to seek and to save the lost because we all had a sin debt. All have sinned. All have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Guys, let's don't fool ourselves. There's none righteous. You look up here, you see a pastor. I, I, don't, don't let that fool you. My life prior to Christ was that of a wicked sinner. You know my story, my testimony of a, of a life that was set apart 
in a, in a, in a, a course set for hell. My life was about the next party. I, I was an alcoholic. I was a drug user. I was promiscuous. I was a sinner. Now some of you can sit here and say, oh, well, I was raised in the church and I didn't do those things. You know what? You were just as guilty as I was before a holy God. Don't fool yourself. Just because you were raised in church does not give you a pass to glory. There's only one thing that gives you and me a pass, and it's the same thing that we both need. It's the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's the person of Christ. We need a relationship with God through Him. The wages of sin is death. If you and I got what we deserve, we deserve death. We deserve that eternal separation from God. But God doesn't want that for us. He loves us. That's why He took on the form of a man. They said He could have took on any other form. It would have been better than taking on the form of a man. Man is the most wicked, evil, devised evil comes from man, not from your pet. It comes from man. The heart of man is desperate, deceitfully wicked. And yet God still loved us even in, while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You see, the good news, guys, is none of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve the free gift, but that's why it's a free gift. Grace is free, is a free gift. It's giving us what we don't deserve. Jesus Christ is that gift. And if you don't know Him today, I encourage you right from the start, this is the end, but it's also the beginning. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Surrender your life right where you are to Jesus Christ today. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Many of our young people at camp surrendered their life. Now, not necessarily ours per se. There was some rededication, recommitment that took place amongst our, uh, amongst our teens. But there were some who walked forward for the very first time surrendering their life to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that they moved from darkness into light. They went from death, eternal death and separation from God, to eternal life in Jesus Christ. A relationship. Because again, with the manuscript evidence that tells us of Christ's coming, the, the archaeological evidence that is uh, undisputed, that nothing ever contradicts the Scriptures. When we find archaeological finds, they never contradict the Scriptures. They only confirm it to the prophetic utterances, the prophecies that predicted Christ's first coming. On the day He was crucified, over 300, and the life of Christ fulfilled on the day in which He hung on the cross, many of those specific, very detailed, that had been written 1,500 years earlier, were fulfilled in the day of Jesus Christ on the cross. That doesn't happen unless it's divinely inspired. And yet, Christ stands today offering the same grace to forgive us. Today could be not the end. It could be the end of your old life. It could be the beginning of a new life. Because God makes you a promise today. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And so this weekend, the past weekend, the teens were challenged with, hey, the end is at hand. How are you going to live? Notice if you would in the Scriptures, 1 Peter chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, you can look up here. There should be a Bible in the pew, though, if you want to follow along there. And let's look at the Word of God this morning. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious 
watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, I pray this morning that you will speak to our hearts, that you will draw us near. Lord, the end of all things is at hand. Your return is soon. It's evident. We're closer today than when this was written. And yet no one knows the hour nor the day except the Father. But Father, we look to you to prepare our hearts to be ready for when that day does come. May we be ready to one day stand in your presence, cleansed of all sin, forgiven. And Lord, we can know that today because of the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we know him and may we live for him in fullness of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the outline that we're looking at, and we'll see how far we get, but this is where we're, what we're looking at today. We're going to look at, if the end of all things is at hand, how Christians then shall we live? Now again, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, then this doesn't make sense to you. But for us as believers, I'm talking to you, believer, and by the way, if you're not, here, if you're, if you're not a believer here today, then that invitation remains open to come to know Christ, to put your faith and trust in Him alone, not your good works, but to simply trust Him and surrender your life to Him. Here's what we're asked to do. How are we going to live then in the end of times? How are we supposed to be living today knowing that the end of all things is at hand? We need to pray. We need to love. That's in verse 8. We need to host, verse 9, and we'll talk about that. Hospitality. Are you given to hospitality? And so we'll talk about that. Is that a marking of your life? It should be if you're a follower of Christ. People should be able to look at your life and see you as a hospitable person. Not a hostile person, a hospitable person. And then also, we should serve. That is one thing that we'll see here as we unpack this, package of, uh, of this passage of Scripture, is that we should serve. The end of all things is at hand. Now, when most people think about the end, they immediately think of the book of Revelation. Now, Larry did a great study through the book of Revelation. Uh, what was that, about two years, Larry? <laughs> he said, yeah, but I still wasn't near your study at you know, four chapters in three years. But anyway, um, go back and check that out online. It's on our podcast. You can, you can access some of that and uh, listen to some of those studies. And uh, did a great job rightly dividing the word. Most people, when they think of the end times, they think of the book of Revelation. It was interesting this, this past week, so two birds, one stone, 
Um, when we knew we were going to Florida, most of you know we, we, we have one family vehicle, and so when that vehicle needs a repair, um, we uh, find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. But uh, it worked out perfect this, this past go-round because we rented a van for the week for the trip. And so I said, hey, let's take the car into the shop while we're gone, let it get worked on. So, so that's what we did, and as the car was being worked on, I got back in town to pick it up, was talking to the, to the owner of the, of the shop, and uh, Mr. Carroll Layden hooked me up with him. Great job on that, I appreciate that. He's always taking good care of us in that front. And uh, the mechanic said to me, he's a believer, and uh, he was talking about he's been doing a study at his church with, uh, through the book of Revelation. And he asked me, he says, you know, what the, you know what the book of Revelation is really about? And of course, you know, uh, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which by the way, it's not a revelation. Leave the S off, guys. It's not multiple, okay? There's one Christ, one Lord. His name's Jesus. It's revealing Jesus, His glory. But he says, you know, I've been studying this, and I realize it's really about evangelism. I said, you're right. You're absolutely right. Guys, do you know why we have the future already recorded? There's some terrible days coming to this planet. There are days coming according to the Scriptures that the world has never experienced before. Now think about some of the stuff this world has experienced. You think about Noah's day and the flood, which decimated the planet, completely transformed and changed the atmospheric pressures, the, the land masses, the various things that took place in those days. Now look, we know when Noah stood up and began to preach righteousness, calling people to repent, they thought he was crazy. They thought he was a loony being. It had never even rained before. They, they had not experienced rain. And of course, again, if you want to look more into the science of what was believed and theorized to have been happening prior to this uh, cataclysmic, destructive flood that came upon the world, I encourage you to look into AnswersInGenesis.org, AnswersInGenesis.org. A lot of brilliant scientists who, have, who are believers who have put forth Arguments, very viable arguments as to the type of terrarium-type atmosphere, the type of, um, based upon, again, the evidence that we see in the world around us, gives support, obviously, to what the Scriptures proclaimed. But Noah stood and proclaimed, repent, believe, and many went about their life comfortable, doing their daily thing, giving in marriage, drinking, marry, working, living, until the day the rain began. And the door was closed, and no man could open it. And think of the many countless people on the planet Earth at that time that pleaded and begged and screamed and cried and desired to be safe in the ark. But the time had come and the time had passed. I agree with the mechanic. The prophecy is really an important reminder to us as proclaimers of righteousness those entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, our time is running short. 
And unless you want to, to know that your family, your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, your co-workers will experience a great wrath upon this world, if you dare not want that to happen, how important is it for you and I to tell others about Jesus Christ? God has entrusted that to you and me, believer. Not our government, not our school system. It's the local church made up of believers. We have the marching orders. We have the message. And therefore, we need to be sharing the good news with those around us. We need to move beyond our comfortable zones and step into the uncomfortable zone and begin to share what we say we believe. Because it's an eternal truth. The speaker at, at the event, he, he shared this story. We've shared it right here. We've played the video clip of Penn and Teller and, and, and Penn, who's a, a well-known atheist, who's very outspoken, shares the testimony and story of how one night after one of his magic shows he's, he, he, in Vegas, he, he had a believer come up and said, hey, I, I've been at your show and I wanted you to know that you, it's just amazing what you guys do. You do it really well and you're very good and professional in what you do. He said, but I really want to talk to you about something more important. And, and he began to witness and share his faith with this well-known, outspoken atheist. He gave him a Gideon Bible and said, I want you to have this. And Penn is actually from his own mouth telling this in a, in a video that when he got home that night and just turned on his computer and began to speak to the computer and record it. And you can go online and look this up in YouTube, and I encourage you to watch it. And he, he, he's, he's basically said, look, I don't believe that, but you know what? I do appreciate that if this man, and he speaks directly to the Christian, he says, how much do you have to hate me to believe there's an eternal hell and to believe that I'm going to it, but dare not tell me or warn me? That's a sobering reminder, Christian. If we say we really believe this Bible and we really believe there's a day of judgment coming, there's an end of days that's going to happen where God is going to pour out His wrath upon this world because of the sins of mankind. Because, remind you, if God is just and He's holy, if He's just and He's holy, by definition, then sin must be dealt with. And there's only two ways to deal with it. God intervenes and takes that on our behalf, which He did over 2,000 years ago. That's why Jesus Christ stepped into the world. Because our wicked hearts messed it up in the beginning. It was our hearts that rebelled against a holy and just God. We chose. And by the way, you've got to have choice in order for it to be love. I hope you chose your spouse. I hope you weren't forced into marriage at gunpoint. God created us in such a way that our free will would be activated in such a way that we could either receive, reject, respond, believe. Now, when man fell into sin in the beginning, all that got wrecked. The total depravity of man is very evident. Man loves darkness rather than light. And that's why no man seeks after God. None. That's why there's none righteous, guys. We're broke. We're broken. We're all messed up. It don't matter how deep you are in sin. You're just as, you're just as bad off whether you're in the deep end of the pool of sin or in the shallow end or even if you're in the kiddie pool. It don't matter. You're going to drown in sin. 
unless God intervenes. God did intervene. And that's what separates Christianity from all other religions. You see, religion is man trying to do things to make themselves right with God. You cannot do things to make yourself right with God. That's not how it works. God must do something for you. And He did so. He sent His only begotten Son, and that whosoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The other option is you pay for the sin yourself. We've all sinned. Pay for it yourself, or someone else pay it for you. Our sin is against an eternal being. Our sin is against an eternal being. Therefore, the only just payment must be an eternal payment. That's why it doesn't matter if you only lived on this earth 40 years. You don't go to hell for 40 years, sorry Catholic friends, and then get your way out. No, my sin is against an eternal being. Therefore, the punishment, if it's going to be just, it must be eternal. That's why an eternal being had to come and satisfy the payment. And in Him, the ark, Christ, who represents that, I can, by faith, receive Christ. I can enter into right relationship so that one day when I stand before a holy, just God, He won't see my sin. He'll see the righteousness, perfection, and the fulfillment of His Son, Jesus Christ. I will be enrobed in His righteousness, not my own. And so therefore... Christ has taken my wrath, and I'm no longer under wrath. So I don't need to fear the end of days because I'm safe in the ark of Jesus Christ. We need to be evangelizing, church. We need to be sharing our faith. Time is short. I've been encouraged. Um, Josh Pridgen was telling me recently he kind of picked up some reading uh, from Francis Schaeffer. And uh, for those of you who don't know who Francis Schaeffer is, he's a philosopher. And uh, he's, a, he's actually what we call a presuppositionalist philosopher. Now, most of you won't know what that means. My teenagers know what that means because we've been talking about this on Wednesday nights. There's a difference between classical apologetics presuppositional apologetics. Anybody remember the other apologetics? Anyone? Anyone? Evidential. All right? So, the difference though, Francis Schaeffer is what we call a presuppositionalist. That's who pastor is. I'm a presuppositionalist. Okay? Uh, guys like William Lane Craig, they're classical. Okay, Brother Tyson, he's a classical. That's okay. All right, we can have these differing ideas. But the reason why Francis Schaeffer, myself, and anyone else who finds himself in the, in the presuppositional apologetics camp is because of what Romans 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18 says. And basically, you can look that up on your own time, but it basically says this, that um, the wrath of God is revealed against the ungodliness of man. And it goes on to say this, that the things that, that may be known of God is clearly revealed in them. But they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Even though the evidence is very clear to them. So 
what does all that mean? It means simply this. This is what we've been working with on the teens on Wednesday nights, which God arranged that back in the summer, which is pretty awesome. Again, when we look at where we are in, in the life of the church and what God's doing and so forth and so on, to study these things. Here's what it means, basically. There's not a man on the planet that doesn't know there's a creator God. That's why I'm a presuppositionalist. It presupposes God's real. God's Word says, I know that, but I suppress it. Well, what about an atheist? Had a teen ask me this. Good question. What about an atheist? Who's their professor? They were taught that. Now, they might have been taught it through hard experiences in life. They might have been taught it through just friends they've had conversations with, but they did not come out of the womb assuming there's no God. You look at creation, you know there's a creator. You look at a painting, you know there's a painter. You look at a building, you don't say, wow, an explosion in a brick factory. No. But boy, we like to do that with God. There's no God. The universe exploded out of nothing. Well, you're real smart. It takes a lot of faith to think that, doesn't it? Francis Schaeffer is a presuppositionalist apologists. And he makes this statement when he wrote this book, How Should We Then Live? It's the rise and decline on Western thought and culture. By the way, he wrote this book in the uh, early 70s, memory serves correct. Great mind, great thinker of the Christian faith. When we think of the end times, when we know what's coming, when we know that the end of all things is at hand. And guys, our society, our culture, I, I don't need to tell you. Turn on the news. Your life, the, what you've known, is on the way out. The end of all things is at hand. How should we then live? To say it another way, how then shall we live? How then shall we live? If we know these things are ending, if we know that the end is at hand, how should we be living? That's what Paul's addressing in this text. He says, first off, we need to pray. Look at verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. That's the first bit of instruction, church. That's our first bit of instruction. We should pray. This word serious, it actually, in some of your translations, if you have the King James, it probably says sober. It says be sober. Be serious. In other words, don't be swept away by emotion or passion. Wow. Man, it's easy to get swept away with emotion and passion. When you watch the news, <laughs> maybe there's a place to start. We just cut it off, right? You know, we didn't have a TV down in Florida for three days. Ask me if, I'm, if I missed it. It was awesome. We get kind of amped up, don't we? We feed on this stuff. Our emotions get all fired up, right? If we're not careful, there are things in this life that really don't amount to a hill of beans in eternity, and we get all swept up in it. Paul says, look, the end of things, all things is at hand. 
we need to pray. And we need to be serious in that prayer. And, and we also need to be watchful. And what he means by that is it's a watchful pursuit of holiness. Guys, if there's ever been a time for us to separate from the world and pursue the things of God, it's now. Now again, this isn't a self-effort. This isn't a, a self-help program in that sense. No, guys, this is allowing the Spirit of God to do His work that He desires to do in us and through us. The best word is surrender. I've got to just stop fighting God and surrender. That's the easiest thing for you and me to do. He says, come unto me, all you who, who work and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take upon yourself my yoke. My yoke is light. This isn't a legalistic, do better, try harder. No, absolutely not. This is a trust in the finished work of Christ. He said it's finished, it's done. And He has the ability to give us that victory over sin. Not only its penalty, which was sin, which separated death and eternity. He allows us victory because of Christ shed blood over that. He also gives us victory over the power of sin that trips us up in our life when we're, we're constantly struggling and falling into sin again and again and again. He says, look, trust me in this. Yield your life to me in this. Surrender it to me in this. And He will begin to help us and this is that sanctification process. He'll begin to work on our hearts and work in our lives to change our hearts, to change our desires. The more we feed on Him, the more we follow Him, the more we yield to Him, He will begin to give us the power over sin and the victory over sin. That doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. Of course not. As long as we're in these bodies, we're going to mess up, guys. We're going to blow it. But just know God's not there condemning you when that happens. The Holy Spirit is the one who's desiring in those moments to lift you up, to help you up, to clean you off, to have you once again surrender your heart in the direction He desires you to go. And then one day, that cross, because it's been paid in full and Jesus' blood and His grace is sufficient, it's also sufficient for the end time when the Lord returns or when we die and go to meet Him that we will one day be glorified out of these bodies with a new body and that in that day we'll be delivered from the presence of sin. No more sin to trip us up. No more of that struggle and that battle in the heart and the whole oh, the wretched man that I am, the things I, I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. We'll be delivered from that. Praise God. Why do you think this is called good news? It's great news. And that should invoke within all of us an enthusiastic reaction and response to praise be to God. I'm on a mission from God to quote a blues brother. I just don't recommend. Now, if you want to do the backflips down the aisle, I'd love to see that. I might have to pay for that, but anyway. Come see me first. Don't just try it. Especially if it's you, Randall. <laughs> That's it. Call 911. <laughs> but guys, we're in the, end, in the end here, we're called to pray. We're called to be serious in that prayer. And we're called to be watchful. Very important that we know that, that we do that. Now, again, we don't work for salvation, but we should be working from salvation. In fact, I would say pray faithfully and work tirelessly. Because as we've been learning in Philippians, that which he has worked in, we're supposed to work out, right? How are we doing, church? Knowing the end of all things is at hand. Are we praying faithfully? Are we working 
tirelessly for the cause of Christ? And if we're not, get on board. Little children, get on board. Little children. Y'all remember that song? We need to learn that one. I like that one. There's room for many a more. The gospel trains are coming. I hear it round the bend. And I'll shut up. I'm embarrassing my children. And my wife. Again. <laughs> we need to be praying faithfully. We need to be working tirelessly. Revelation 11.15 says this, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> Amen. Boy, that's good news, ain't it? That's not dependent upon the stock market. That's not dependent upon who's the president. Come on, church. Get our heads right. Get our hearts right. He's Lord. He's sovereign. He sets up kings. He takes them down. Trust Him. You trust Him with your eternal life, but we can't trust Him with day-to-day -day decisions. What's wrong with us? Oh, I know what's wrong with us. It's the same thing that's wrong with me. It's what's wrong with you. Well, it's good to be in good company. We need a Savior. We need to pray, church. In other words, keep saying. It's another way to say this. Keep saying. Maintain self-control. You want a little instruction in the days in which we're in? <laughs> a little self-control go a long ways, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, we need that. James 5. 16 says, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I encourage you to look at that section of Scripture because it's really, it's really awesome. Elijah, a man just like us, is what the Scripture says. He was just like us. And he prayed. I mean, he prayed. He got a hold of God in his prayer. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years. And a drought came. Whew, man, that's the guy I want to take my prayer request to. Right? No, I want to be that guy taking my prayer request to the Lord. He's like us. He's a man with a nature like ours. But yet he sought God in the will of God and he prayed and it stopped raining for three years. And then guess what he did again? He prayed and asked the Lord that the rain would return and God answered. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, I think a lot of times we doubt in our praying. We, and Christ said, don't, don't be the guy who, who comes in, in prayer doubting. Ask believing. Here's the kicker. Don't miss this part. If you ask anything according to His will, according to His will, then we know we have that answer. See, a lot of times we ask amiss. We ask because we want something. That's a selfish prayer. My prayer should not be about getting God on my page. My prayer should be about me getting on God's page. Did you catch that? It's not about, God, help me, get me off. Yeah, I'm trying to get God over here. I'm trying to make God in my image. 
But God says, no, 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 no. When you come to me, come praying and believing, ask anything according to my will. Well, how am I going to know his will? I need to let this mind be in me, which is in Christ Jesus. I need to know what he said in his word. I need to know his desire for me because he made me. And so my heart begins to change as I begin to, to delight in the word of God. My heart gets more in line with who he is and what he desires. And so that as I begin to pray, my prayers kind of transform from being self-centered to God-centered. Instead of trying to get God on my page, I end up getting on God's page. Amen? And that's why we pray. Just to make it today. That's an MC Hammer song. I don't know. If, that was a good song too, though. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. You don't need to know. Love. That's the second point. Love. And so we notice here, he says, and above all things... Have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Hmm. Wow. The idea here, when we look at this, you'll see that word fervent. Yeah, that word means stretched out. Stretched out. How are you in your love? Are you, are, are you stretched out in your love? Well, when it comes to you, preacher, I'm about to stretch as far as I can go. Keep it up, buddy. I'm, I'm liable to break. <laughs> well, thank you for loving me. You know, you, you take a rubber band or something, you stretch it, right? One of the things they, they have at these camps a lot of times are these giant rubber bands, and they, you know, stretch them, right? But imagine, put this in the context of what Paul's saying here. My love, sometimes it needs to be stretched. And boy, there ain't nothing more stretchy love than to put somebody unloving in front of you, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just admit it. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves, Christian. I know, I get on yours, you get on mine. It's all good, but I love you. I hope the feeling's mutual. You know, Paul is saying when it comes to this subject of love, guys, you know what day you're living in, and he's already warned us that the love of many will wax cold. And I'm telling you, some of the most unloving people you'll ever meet will be under a roof called a church. And that's sad. That's really sad. Because Jesus said the way they'll know you, Christian, the way they'll know if you're a follower of mine is your love for one another. So if there's anything we need to work on in these end days is praying and loving. And I believe circumstances come into our life for God to help us, He's chipping away, right? And so what happens is we end up in circumstances where we're forced to pray and we get people that stretch us in our love. Thank you, Lord. Because you know the kind of man I am. You know my frame. I'm a sinful man in nature apart from your divine nature. Now, I'm thankful that I'm no longer seen as a sinner. I'm seen as a saint. But I struggle in this flesh. I struggle with my flesh just like you do. God allows circumstances a lot of times, guys, to help us pray more fervently. And He allows circumstances in our life sometimes to stretch us in our love for one another. Let's don't miss the, the moment of teaching. Right? Let's, let's not 
Forget that. I heard somebody say, you know, when the teacher administers the test, there's silence. I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you feel like God is kind of silent in your life right now. Maybe there's a test being administered. Can I encourage you? He's faithful. He's still there. He's still a very present God in the time of need. Turn to Him today. Look to Him. You talk about a love that covers a multitude of sins. The love of Christ. You want to know if God loves you today? All you need to do is look at the cross. And while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. He demonstrated His love for us. While we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. His love is willing to meet you this morning right where you're at. To not only cover your sin, but to remove your sin. He promises He will remove it as far as the east is from the west, no longer to remember it against your account. He will wipe it clean. And He will credit to your account His righteousness. That's the love of God. And it's that type of love that should mark us as followers of Jesus Christ. Church, I'm going to close this section of this study here. And we will, Lord willing, pick this up next week. Because there's more that we need to be prepared for in these end times. Behold, the end of all things is at hand. And church, we need a reminder of what our mission is. Because the Lord's return is imminent. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your truth. Thank You most importantly for Your Son, Jesus Christ, who stepped into this world, took on the form of a man, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, fulfilled the law in every point, and yet went to the cross of Calvary, suffering my sin, my shame, He knew no sin. Christ was without sin. And yet He was willing to lay down His life for sinners such as us. He was buried. And three days later, He rose from the grave. Victorious over death. And He makes a promise... To whosoever shall call upon His name shall be saved. He's ascended to heaven and He's coming back just as He promised. Lord, may we be ready on that day. We await the trumpet call, the, the rapture of the church, the calling out. Lord, may we be ready for that. May our hearts be prepared. And that's only for those who know you. And so if there be anyone here today, anyone watching online that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, our prayer is today, today would be their day of salvation. And so right where you are, 
I'm going to ask you in this moment, if you would, look to Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. He knows your sin. He knows those things that trip you. And yet He says, come to me. I'll give you rest. Would you surrender your life today and by faith receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? He's paid your penalty. He said it's finished. All you need to do is receive the gift of salvation. There's no other name under heaven given amongst men by which to be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Would you call on Him today right where you're at? Lord, I'm a sinner. I know that. I realize my sin separates me from you. And yet I, I, I understand now and I believe this truth that's been shared, this good news, that though I was separated from you in my sin, you desired to know me. You desired to have relationship with me. From before the foundation of the world, you knew me, and so therefore you've come to seek me, to save me, and you call out to me because salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, today I turn from my sin and I turn to you in full faith, in complete surrender. If you'll do that today, right where you are, He makes you a promise. He said, I will not cast you out. No one can come to me unless, the, unless they're drawn by the Spirit. But if anyone should come to me, I won't cast them out. I won't turn them away. Come to Him. Right where you are. Right in the midst of your sin. Turn to Him. And He'll meet you with grace. The love of Christ. Father, thank You for the reminder for us as believers to pray fervently, to love one another. Help us at Community Baptist Church to make this our calling in 2021. To be more about prayer, fervent prayer, and loving one another, and loving our neighbors as ourselves. And we'll thank you in the precious name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And for His sake we pray. Amen. If you trusted Christ today as your Lord and Savior, I want to hear about it. Let me know. Share with someone. Um, the Bible says that um, we should not be ashamed of that decision. We should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. And so um, if you have by faith today received Christ, we, we would love to hear about that. Church, uh, again, 7 o'clock this evening. If you'd like to come and help Stugelmeyers unload, we'd love to see you. And uh, if not, you have a good week. We'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night for club night. And uh, hopefully, Lord willing, back in here again next Sunday for Super Bowl Sunday. Let me tell you, Super Bowl Sunday. Come join us, guys. I don't care about football. Doesn't matter. You care about food? <laughs> Some of you more than others. I can see it. Hey, I'm there. Been there. We're going to have a great time of fellowship. Please, 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 guys, we're taking safety precautions. It'll be fine. You'll be all right. Invite, evangelize, invite. We're going to be hearing the gospel. Jeremy Sams will be here. He'll be bringing an evangelistic message. So please, please, please invite folks. It's looking like right now, young folks, us not-so-young folks, there might be some weather. We'll keep our eye on it. But last time Stugelmeyers were here, it was 36 degrees. It's 36 degrees in rain about that deep. And Pastor threw out a knee. I don't want this one going out, so, but either way, let's go play some ball, right? Let's have some fun, and I hope to see you here next week.
Should be fun. All right? Should be a good time. You're done. Have a blessed day.